Welcome to The Old World Lives, a Warhammer Fantasy Battles podcast. You can find us on Facebook at The Old World Lives, on Instagram at The Old World Lives, and you can reach us by email at theoldworldlives at gmail.com. And now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome to The Old World Lives, a Warhammer Fantasy podcast. Um, I am uh, one of your hosts, Niklas, and I am joined by Morten. Hello, long time no see. I've been super lazy, not recording anything, but now I'm back, so it's nice to be back. But I'm still kind of lazy because I won't join for the next segment, so... (laughs) Jokes on you. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been the summertime. Most uh, yeah. most of us have been gone doing summer stuff, mm. meaning nothing. Uh, but w- winter is coming, and soon we'll have tons of uh, fun episodes coming out <laughs> when we get more hobby done again. Yeah, I that's like one of the main things I'm looking forward to. Not just sweating while you're sitting and painting, but it's like super warm outside, and then mm. I have this like really strong lamp right in front of my face. Oh. Yeah, so, I'm sitting. Uh, I'm sitting in my closet, yeah. and it's very hot in here right now. Uh, almost <laughs> like, almost Australian hot. <laughs> this must be what it feels like for the Australians. Full of but bugs today, in well. yes. But today is a army special episode, right? Yeah. So we're talking uh, about some uh, peace and loving dudes that hug trees. One one of those statements are true. <laughs> talking about. Scary elves and trees that hug you until you die. Exactly. Yeah, so we're going to have a chat about the wood elves in the next segment, uh, where we will have a guest on, Chris Wilson. Uh, Another uh, Chris? Yeah. (laughs) They're all over the place. Hmm. A friendly Irish man. Ooh. Um, so yeah, but before that, we'll do a bit of a, an introduction to the episode where we just have a general chat, uh, talking about yeah, what we've done, stuff like that, yes. plans for the future. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. It's been, it's been so long. Uh, I can't really remember what I talked about last time. Did I tell you, uh, I know we had an episode about Tamarkan, right? Yes. And, uh, and now I remember I finished... you talking about a mammoth. Yes. Yes, my secret project, the Mammoth. So I finished two big projects. I finished the Mammoth, uh, which I got from Mir's Miniatures, uh, which was uh, really nice to paint. Only thing that I didn't like was that it has some chains going around the body, like uh, attaching the howda that's on top. Uh, and I don't know how they how they designed them because they were they were so short, you know, when you were supposed to fit everything together, which was like missing several links in the chain, so to say. So I had to do some green stuff work there, but that's that's okay. Um, but the mammoth was a lot of fun painting, and then I also finished now painting Tamarkan. Uh, Sweet, was, yes, also very nice to paint, and um, uh, it comes with this uh, long freaky tongue, uh, but <laughs> it had it had broken off, and I was like ah. Should have just tried to glue it together? And then I thought, maybe I could do something even freakier with it. Uh, so I got this uh, guy from the uh, giant kit. This guy who is caught in the hand of the giant swing around. Like, like an Empire State Trooper or something. is just like, ooh, swing, swinging. So I cut off uh, pieces of the, the hand, the giant hand. And then I just green stuffed it into some sort of tongue tentacle that had caught this poor trooper. And he's now being slowly sucked into the mouth of the toad dragon. So I'm pretty happy with it. Looks nice. na- nasty <laughs> enough, I think. <laughs> so that was really fun. Um, so that's not how you want to go down. No, exactly. Not, by a toad dragon. Not a good way to go. Um, and I'm not sure if I talked about it, but I did play a game uh, with my pals uh, at my old job. 
in Gothenburg where we we had this wave attack of uh, chaos coming ashore, attacking them, and they had a brave alliance of Bretonians, Empire, and Dogs of War. And uh, basically, I was supposed to kill everything that they had, and I could reuse all my troops. But if they killed Tamarkan, they would win. And uh, but it, but it was so fun because I got to surprise them with the mammoth, and I hadn't told them about the mammoth, so <laughs> that was a great game. Uh, I, I also had another game where uh, now at my new place, um, I you know I got to start a, a, a sleeper cell here as well, of course. Spread the corruption. I'm trying to get some more people interested in fantasy, so I had a little try out fantasy game where a couple of friends came over and uh, I set up my uh, Nurgle versus uh, uh, Dogs of War. And uh, the, two of my friends here have started with uh, High Elves and Skaven. So they brought some troops that they had and then they added those to the forces. And we had a little game just to feel, you know, get a feel for the rules. And, and I, I hope they got hooked at least. So we'll, we'll see if we can get more, more games going soon. Nice. Uh, I see you're getting uh, getting crowd on the, the island. Yes. And for that, I need to get some more terrain, right? Because we had awesome terrain that we had made together before. And I stole some of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but now I have my gaming mat, which is, um, it's got, uh, it's two-sided. So one side is uh, like a grassland and the other one is a, a snow-based one. Um, but I need to get some terrain that matches both of them. So I've uh, been starting just making some hills. And I have some houses that I've been working on for a long time that I want to finish as well. But uh, in general, very, very fun to just get to do some fantasy terrain as well. Yeah, yeah, I love making fantasy terrain because it's, uh, it's just so easy. Like you yeah. don't have to make everything symmetrical. You don't need a lot of detail. Like with sci-fi terrain, you you can't just build a house because it just looks super out of place. You need something yeah sci-fi about it. Like yeah. and it's yeah harder to find bits that look sci-fi. Yeah, and to make it look good because there's like yeah. a lot of detail in it as well. And that's yes. the the thing you don't really want with terrain. Like you don't want it to be too detailed. You don't want it to draw focus. Like. No. A hill is just so easy because it's just <laughs> like a piece of land, and it's yeah. like it works great in the game, and it looks great. Yeah, I tried. Uh, I got a three D printed uh, little house also from a friend, uh, and uh, I I painted it up, and it looks really great. Great, so that's also a, a nice. Uh, source for terrain uh, yeah i was a bit skeptical first i thought like oh but you can see you know you can still see some of the the lines of course from the from the printing process but when it when it was painted up it looks really nice and it took well to uh, dry brushing because it's a it's a little wooden cabin so it was very easy to paint it mm. uh, and now it looks great i mean uh, so so yeah, yeah. Uh, other than that i've been uh, continuing working on my nurgle horde so latest project now is making a unit of six uh, uh, ogres chaos ogres with the mark mm -hmm. of nurgle uh, and for that i am using three of the ones that forge world had you remember that for tamarkan they had actual yeah. ogres as well and they are oh, so great but they're they're much taller than a regular ogre <laughs> they're, they're really huge um, but then I thought I wanted a unit of six, but it was a bit boring to just have, uh, you know, th two of the same. So I also got Forge World's uh, Chaos Ogrins or Nurgle Plague Ogrins. What were they called? So the 40k variant. The Rax campaign. Yes, exactly. Um, because they look sort of, I mean, an, an Ogrin and an Ogre are kind of similar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're s slightly smaller in size, but uh, they're more like to a regular ogre, I would say, in, in, 
uh, in the game, but uh, but they still have these awesome Nurgle details on them, and they're fun to paint. So I just had to carve away some cables and stuff that they had. But since it's Nurgle, it's also very forgiving, right? To just oh, cut away something and then put some green stuff there and make it look like a boil or something, and it would <laughs> still look great. So yeah. very very forgiving for a uh, amateur sculptor such as myself. <laughs> so they're yeah, they're next online, and uh, and after that. Who knows? I've started building some Chaos Knights because, uh, oh, man, I've been waiting for the, something about Chaos Knights. I think they're one of the coolest units in the whole game, I must say. So that will be also something fun to look forward to. Man, it's, it's really awesome you're building like uh, a massive Chaos Army now. Yeah, yeah, and I feel still I don't have any duplicates, which is kind of fun because mm-hmm. I, I just thought, I, I, uh, yeah, even though sometimes it might be you know, optimal in a way, but I'm not about being optimal. But it's fun to be able to paint different units every time, but still make such a big army, right? It's going to be, it's going to be massive. But that's also, of course, because I'm mixing beastmen and uh, demons as well with the Chaos Warriors. So, so that also makes the, uh, but I've been dreaming. So there are some things still that I'm dreaming of adding. It's the, you remember the Plague Hulk that Forge World had? This, uh, like a soul grinder almost, but the Nurgle Oh yeah, one? yes, that one. Yeah, that one. As a soul grinder would be that for mm, something I would want. And do they, then do they have those? I don't think they still make it, but there, there are. No, ranks. yeah, but in the list, isn't uh, it a 40k thing? I think it is a 40k thing, yes. But I, I, I was just going to use it as a soul grinder with a mark of Nurgle oh. because they ha- they have some. Uh, isn't soul grinders also a 40k thing? Mm, no, they're in. They're in the yeah. demon list, right? Yeah. Maybe they were added is, in 8th edition. I think they're in uh, Total War as well. Which, but but yeah. It's, yeah, it's very strange because it's, it's got mechanical legs. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's, and it's, I, it's I, like I a, it's a demonic version of a Defiler, which is a yes. Chaos Space Marine war machine. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But I don't know. For some reason it is in, uh, in fantasy as well. But, you know, demons and stuff. Yeah. And then there's Plague Toads and there's Great Unclean Ones. And there's chaos dragons. Oh, there's so much more fun to add. Have you got a great and clean one? No, not yet. And mm-hmm. I've been thinking because I'm, I mean the Forge World one is must be the best model, right? It, I, I yeah. think it's go- gorgeous. The new uh, plastic one is not bad either. No, exactly, uh, and it's way cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's half the price compared to the other one. But uh, I don't know. Why not both? That's, that's a good point. Do they have the uh, <laughs> different entries? Are are there like great and clean ones and exalt? Dead greater or like greater unclean ones i think um, maybe it used to be in 40k huh? but maybe there is in one of, in like the um, storm of chaos supplement mm-hmm. do you think that they added like even more epic things in there not in the sixth edition but no at least. or wait uh storm of magic what is it called the one with a right. spin, spinny thing yeah storm of magic yeah, yeah in that in that one they added uh i'm pretty sure they they added even yeah so you could use the four twirl models i think to represent exalted greater demons or something uh you know these things with stat lines of like 10 10 10 10 or something like that and then a thousand points <laughs> that you can play in some sort of apocalypse game <laughs> i don't know um i've also been looking at the the glot king model is such such a great model i think do you remember that one the glotkin that was the end times so, 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 so the guy like uh, pouring poison into the mouth of someone so. uh, no no it's like the big big green thing with two guys oh, yeah, riding with, on top oh yeah yes the, the, i think it was like this they were three brothers or something <laughs> and one of them got really big <laughs> 
But that is also a great model. I, I've been thinking of maybe that could be used as some sort of uh, giant proxy or something. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, just build it. Build it's it cool, and they will come. Cool for uh, a scenario. Yeah, I was definitely. thinking like maybe you'll only have big stuff keep, <laughs> if you keep going like this. Th th that is true. Uh, I've also been thinking about that. Like I maybe I need some more blocks of infantry. But th then you're more like what to add if I don't want duplicates. I guess it would be. Uh, could be a chosen chaos chosen unit maybe i don't Bigger have any units yeah yeah that, that is true but uh marauders maybe but i don't like the marauder models so hmm. yeah. uh, you need well you need plague bears yeah that's true. i have 15 so far but i should have more i guess and uh, have, uh like 77 yeah yeah pestigores maybe like and make them pestigores yeah because i only have regular plague gores so far Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, mm -hmm. they did have models, the, the Pestigors. Yeah, yeah, I I know. they're really nice. But I also like the Pestigore models, so... Oh. Yeah. I, that's a good thing about Nurgle, that, I mean, Games Workshop definitely loves making Nurgle models that look great. And I yeah. think they're, they, <laughs> they must be overrepresented, right? Yeah, Nurgle and Space Marines. Yes, that's all they're about. <laughs> and then they have Nurgle Space Marines. <laughs> uh, what about you? I, I've seen some things you've been working on that look great. Yeah, I've been uh, pretty busy painting new stuff, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And just painting away the Dark Elves. Um, so you're yeah, making, we... You have quite the force there now, don't you? Yeah, uh, it's it's annoying with Dark Elves compared to my other armies. That, <laughs> because both Dwarves and Kislev, they're pretty... Pretty set in the way you play them. Uh -huh. Kislev is like super aggressive, and uh, yeah, you can add some some small tweaks to it, but it's mostly about like riding forward and charging. And dwarves is the the opposite. It's uh, stand back and shoot. And yeah, you can add some stuff to make them more mobile, which I have as well. Um, but dark elves, like there's there's a hundred different ways to play them. You can oh, yeah. play like infantry heavy and defensive, or infantry heavy and aggressive. Or uh, lots of cavalry, or lots of monsters, or flying units, and like there's so many combinations. But it's also <laughs> annoying that uh, they're so expensive, like the troops, so you can't afford to to use everything as well. So you kind of have to oh, yeah. have small specialized armies. But the thing is, like because you can play them so differently, like I've just been buying more stuff because I've been like, oh yeah, if I add this thing, I'll have totally different capabilities than I had before, and I can play them a completely different way. And then these like keep adding small and soft stuff and then i just got tons more to paint so now i just gotta sit and paint everything <laughs> oh uh, no <laughs> so yeah at the moment i'm <clears throat> painting dark riders mm -hmm. uh i bought a bunch of dark riders from some guy in italy oh um so i'm on the facebook marketplace it's the the greatest thing and the worst thing to have happened to my life i think <laughs> it's dangerous yeah kind of miss the living in England for that reason though because the secondhand market was oh, yeah. great um but yeah since last time when we were talking about the tournament the 1500 point tournament we've uh, agreed with the guys to play 2000 point games uh this coming weekend so uh well basically st straight after the the tournament i sat down and painted the the manticore with the rider that i had started before i was considering i was gonna take it to the tournament but then i just didn't finish in time so finished just basically a couple of days after, uh, and then I was on a roll. So then I just painted uh, Hydra yeah. with the handlers, and then shortly after that, I painted a sorceress on a Pegasus, a dark Pegasus. Oh wow! So uh, yeah, that added a lot of points. Yeah, and the chariot. Yeah, the chariot I painted like now a couple of days. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, so that's for the, the the games coming up now. I I bought it not that long ago for Chris, and uh, it's a really cool model. I really like it. It's very very detailed, lovely. They they look a bit like very evil Romans on their chariot. Yeah. But was that one quite a recent one then? Because the cold ones were the new version, right? So it's the old chariot, the six-set chariot with the new cold ones. Ah, yeah, just like your knights and stuff. Ah, yes. very nice. I see, I see. So okay. I bought it like this from Chris, because he well, had the same opinion as me, that the, <laughs> the old ch- chariots and old models in general are great, but the, the cold ones look really derpy. <laughs> the the, yep. the old uh, 2000 or it was in 1999 the Godzilla yeah. movie. yep yep <laughs> very nice movie worm scientist for the win <laughs> <laughs> Stephanopoulos <laughs> so yeah I painted that up uh, I haven't finished the base yet but uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna finish that at the same time as these Dark Riders uh, and that's another thing I never had a chariot or I never, oh, never it- played one I used to own like a Work chariot when I was 10, but uh, yeah, I never had a chariot in any of your armies. No, that oh wow, yeah. so they can't, uh, can't march, right? No, and they're stupid. The, the lizards, oh, yeah. <laughs> yay! So, we'll see if it moves at all. What can go wrong? <laughs> but still, when they hit, I, I don't know, yeah, not I, I haven't really figured out how to use a chariot in a good way yet, but I guess they would be great at flanking or just helping out in a combat or something. I have no like, idea. Yeah, I mean they make I, I faced chariots in this tournament. Like yeah. the chaos player had a bunch of chariots, and they were really nasty because you still have to like kill it before it reaches your lines. Yeah, if you don't, then like it hits like a ton of bricks. Yeah, and just shooting at it takes away a lot of shooting from shooting other stuff. Yeah, because it has a lot of armor and quite high toughness, right? Yeah, they're pretty tough. Things got like a three up save. Yeah. Toughness five or something. Mm. And three wounds or something also, I think. Yeah. Or more, two. I think. Oh, maybe four even. Yeah. I think it's, got, two, it's got a few two, wounds. Two riders, two horses. Maybe it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Cold ones in this case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I feel like they, they hit hard, but they can't really stay in combat no. very well. So Definitely not. It's all about the impact hits and yeah. uh, striking first. Yeah. After that, you're screwed. That's the like the, the rest of my army as well. Like I, I shared the list with the the podcast yeah. um, that I'm bringing, and uh, it's just a lot of small units that hit hard, but none of them can really stay in combat. It is dicey, but uh, it can pay off. It's kind of fun also to have that sort of if everything works out, this <laughs> list is gonna hurt like hell. Yeah, I, I kind of realized that during the fifteen hundred point game that. Uh, you can't like out regiment other armies because like every other model in the game is cheaper than a dark elf <laughs> and probably better in most cases. Yeah. Like, like yeah, I have high initiative and high weapon skill, but I'm still like strength three with light armor. <laughs> so but, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna lose out to numbers anyway. Mm-hmm. But it sure makes it interesting. Like or yeah, you have to be careful. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, the the list that I'm bringing is um, it's a two thousand point game, so it's, it's going to be a level four sorceress on the mm-hmm. dark Pegasus and uh, a level two sorceress on foot. And she's going to have that bound item. It's like a strength five missile D six oh. hits. Oh damn. Uh, oh yeah, and the level four sorceress has the the cloak that gives her another uh, power dice. Oh okay. I I just saw the name. I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, I should write the, what the, the magic items do in those <laughs> lists, actually. <laughs> um, and then a a Beastmaster, a Manicore, uh, that will just fly around and terror bomb or be a nuisance, mm-hmm. kill some small units, maybe. And then in core, pretty bare bones, two units of five Dark Riders, one of which I'm painting now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have repeater crossbows. And then a unit of 10 Corsairs that I'm uh, not sure what they'll do, actually. They'll just like walk around and be a bunker for the, the sorceress, I think. Yeah. Be just spreading a flank or claim uh, table quarters. They're the only infantry unit, right? <laughs> There's one more. Uh-huh. Uh, there are 10 executioners. Ah, sorry. <laughs> with a champion and a musician. Yeah. So these guys are, they hit really hard because they're a strength five with killing blow. Mm. Uh, and I used a unit of those in the, at the tournament. Problem is like, you can't take too many of them to like be a, a big regiment, but like they can win with unit strength and ranks and stuff like that. Um, Do they become too expensive? Or? Yeah. So last time I had a unit of 15. Yeah. But it's like... Too too many to just be killy and too few to to stand a chance in like a stand up fight. Yeah. So I just went like bare bones with them as well. Um, and then a unit of five cold one knights with a banner musician and war banner. Mm-hmm. So plus one combat resolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys also I, I used to run a unit of eight uh, in two ranks, but uh, it's pretty, pretty yeah pretty expensive and also like <laughs> during the last game. They got shot by a bull thrower and I oh, killed no. two of them. It was like, oh my god, it's oh. terrible. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to try just running a smaller unit. It's a shame that I have eight, eight of them, but uh, I'm going to try it out. Yeah. Uh, and then I have five shades. actually got two more of them in the mail that I will paint up. Mm-hmm. Run them as a slightly bigger unit. Yeah. But these guys will just uh, march block, I guess, be a nuisance, mm-hmm. fire some darts. Uh, they usually don't kill anything, but uh, it's nice to, to be annoying. Yeah. Um and then a coal one chariot. Those are my four special choices. Yeah. Seems like a very mobile force. Yeah. The thing is that the elves are move five, which is a pretty yeah. big deal to be honest. Yeah. Um and on top of that you have a lot of cavalry and stuff as well. Yes. And then in rare I have the Hydra and two Reaper Boltors. Oh yeah. <laughs> so a lot of things that hurt, but a lot of things that uh are a bit fragile, I guess, as well. Yeah. Like nothing can really take a hit or stay in combat. <laughs> so hopefully they don't have to. Hopefully they'll no. just sweep in and win a combat and then take either the run one. away or chase something down. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. But I think uh, like your experiences with uh, playing Kislev should help here as well, right? Because it's you have a lot of uh, small cavalry units as well. Yes. So yeah. It's, it's not the same, but it's uh, at least elements that are similar. Yeah. We'll, we'll see with the Dark Riders. So I, I got more of them to paint up as well. I actually bought quite a lot of Dark Riders. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'll have like 25 in total. Oh. Uh, so I will be able to run like several small units with re- repeated crossbows uh, or run them as bigger units to to have them as like combat units because yeah. they can they're light cavalry so they can move around really fast to the flanks and they can also have uh, a banner and a musician yeah so have some combat resolution and also they can be joined by characters nobles i have a, a noble on a black seat as well oh yeah and do uh, they uh, do they have they have spears as well yes they do. and they keep they keep them even if you take the the crossbows or the yes so the the crossbows are actually pretty expensive they're like six points per model 
Oh wow, yeah. So uh, I can't remember how many points they are before that. Eighteen, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, eighteen points. So that's that's reasonable for just like a spear, and they have light armor and can take command. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, with a repeater crossbow, they're pretty expensive. Yeah. But then just standing behind the enemy lines and shooting at them all game, <laughs> it's gonna <laughs> piss them off. <laughs> yeah. And do yeah. they uh, do they have like move nine then with their steeds? They do. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> Oosh, nasty. So, beady boys. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it'll be very interesting. Yeah, as you said, like I played Kessab, so I do have some experience with light cavalry. The yeah. problem is, like, I'm all, I think I'm always just too eager to get in the fight. Oh. So, uh, like, when I should hang back and maybe do some offensive stuff in turn three or four or five or six, even just mm-hmm. try and bait the enemy. I, I, I always, it's like, oh, I need to go forward now and try and kill that unit. And then, like, I expose my entire army for a counterattack or being oh. shot to pieces. Yeah. So I'm going to have to try and calm down a bit. Mm-hmm. We'll see if that works. Or just get a corn army. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Release that it. Is... You have it in, You have it inside. <laughs> <laughs> That's an opinion. Or an option. I mean, uh, yeah. Oh, it's gonna be great to maybe next episode we get to hear how it how it worked out. My horrible failure. <laughs> I, I think uh, if I play like ten games maybe with this kind yeah. of army, I'll learn. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm sensing a, a slaughter the first couple of games. Yeah. How many do you think you will play this uh, coming weekend? Uh, it's gonna be like four or five of us, I think. Oh, great! So uh, it's so cool my... that uh, and everyone's been building up and painting uh, their armies, like big armies now. Uh, well, some have for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know some of them. I think some have like big armies already. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manfred is coming. I'm not sure what he's taken. Oh, great! He, he, he paints like a madman as well. Yeah, maybe he has some pestilence yeah. given things going on. He could have a totally new army. Who knows? Could be, be- beastmen as well. Yeah. Yeah, so he's got Chaos Dwarves and the Skaven has been working on and Beastmen. Mm. Last time he played uh, Chaos Dwarves. Okay. So we will see. Yeah. Yes, Skaven is a, it's a good contender. He's been working yeah. on those. Yeah, it'll be fun to see. I, I don't know how much how much he's done. Um, but so how do you feel at the moment? Do you feel like uh, you have plenty of uh, Dark Elves to keep you occupied in the near future? Or, or have you already started glancing on future projects, future armies? The next oh, one. <laughs> the problem is like painting new armies as well is that you have less time to play your old armies, which is really annoying. No. Because I love my Kiss of my Dwarves, but I'm like, well, I'm playing Dark Elves now. And I'm like, well, when was the last time you played Kiss of? Like, oh, well, mm. Mm. long time ago now. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, I mean, I just need to play more often. Yeah, and I, that's my problem as well. I never, never learn how to play my army. I feel like I just, <laughs> I'll just add some new units every time, so it feels new and interesting. But <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. I should learn how they work first. <laughs> I like, uh, I like Dark Elves. The, I think I said this in the last episode as well because it just feels right that. Um, yeah. They're just like super villainous, mm. and I have these great schemes for like tough lists. Like, oh yeah, yeah this will definitely work, and then it always fails. And, uh, and it's like, <laughs> oh, I'll get you next time. <laughs> Blast back to the to the drawing, yeah, drawing board. It, it feels uh, like a lot of the time when I was playing, it felt like you really need to pull off like hail mary stuff to to be able to win with them. Yeah, which is. Uh, <laughs> It's more fun than uh, like gradually destroying your enemy artillery, even though that's also very satisfying. It's worth it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's fun when the enemy wins, and then you like feel like well, I, I've learned my lesson. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna get you. <laughs> 
that's what I like about being also like the evil guy because it it, it doesn't feel as bad losing in a way. It's like ah, oh, but it's sort of it's meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just here so that the the good player has someone to fight and uh, <laughs> give a purpose for their army. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, blast uh, but um, so another question uh, have you looked into uh, no yeah um, Warhammer 3 Immortal Empires will be out soon yes I'm very excited for that yeah. uh, so there was a sale recently uh-huh. we could buy a bunch of packs for uh, Warhammer Total War yeah. so I bought the Malice Darkblade pack oh great and uh, so I read the first book of that before that but now I've been reading the other ones during the summer as well mm-hmm. so are they getting, good? yeah they're great yeah very good they're written by dan evidence so. oh okay well all, all three of them yeah i think there's or three or four. four i think there's at least four. Oh wow uh, i think dan evidence and mike lee i think okay and uh, does he have the sarkhan the the demon yeah is he ever present yeah ah. well since the end of book one at least <laughs> okay good someone Spoiler. To talk, someone to talk to <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, it's great. I, I yeah. love it. I, I, like they make me love the Dark Elves even more because they're just like the greatest faction. They're yeah. the like the only bad guys that have a like a proper motivation, like a, a reason. Because uh, no offense to you, Chaos guys, but <laughs> not the biggest fan of Chaos. Like, oh, I'm evil. Why are you evil? Because I'm I'm evil and I will kill yeah. stuff. But, but why? <laughs> uh, because that's who I am. <laughs> My end goal is to just destroy the world. Uh, yeah. It's a bit, it's cooler with someone who was, wants to, you know, rule the world or just plot yeah, and or like kill their siblings in order to yeah. gain more power and more slaves. And... <laughs> That's pretty evil, bro. <laughs> uh, but so, but so you got him. But are you holding on, holding off playing a campaign with him until you get the full yeah. map? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Do you, where was he gonna get his new starting location? Do you I think remember? He, yeah, I think he's gonna be like up in the Chaosways in the north. Oh, oh shit! Or part of his starting point because he also owns High Grief. And, ah, yeah. Uh, and Nagaroth. Yeah. Okay, but that sounds interesting. Tough, tough start. I've been watching yeah. some people uh, who got early access, and it seems uh, promising so far. I think because I got sort of uh, bored of the the campaign that they released for. Uh, yeah. For yeah, I, di- I didn't didn't even finish that campaign. No, it's a bit sad, but it it felt a bit like well, it was fun to watch the first time, but already the second game was a bit like oh, okay, this thing again. Oh, we're going into this realm, this Zanesh's <laughs> realm again. Okay, uh, yeah. I think that the the Warhammer, the Total War Two um, game with the Vortex campaign seemed to be more like replayable in a way. I thought that didn't get yeah. as boring in that sense. Yeah, I think so as well. Because they were still pretty different, the the objectives of it. Yeah. The dwarf campaign was very different from the elf campaign, and then mm. yeah, and they kept adding for each faction like their their separate goal, which I guess they will do now for uh, for the third game as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, the new uh, Warriors of Chaos stuff looked really really cool. I think so. Uh, I I love the trailers that they made for the the four uh, champions of chaos. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I re- play the Total War Two campaign recently as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I started painting the Dark Elves again, I was like, "Oh, I need some motivation." Uh, and you were so you were Dark Elves. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, one? Caron Car. Oh, so the, like a the faction unlocker. Yeah. Uh, and they they are they're the faction I'm playing as in uh, on the tabletop. Oh yeah, sweet. The the green green and gold. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was like, oh, I want to play a campaign, but I don't really want to just start a new one because it just 
takes a while. I want to get into the fun bits right away. Mm-hmm. And then I started a campaign, which was, uh, or I, I went, I went to the like save campaigns, and uh, I had played before, and mm-hmm. I like stopped in the middle of it a while back, <laughs> and then I just started it, and I was like, oh, this is perfect. It's like huh? I'm deeply at, at war with Ultuan and yeah. like all the elves, and I'm like raiding the the Norsemen, and mm-hmm. I've established it like a realm kind of. So it's like mm-hmm. the the perfect spot to start. It's like oh, oh. sweet. <laughs> um, and then I play that out basically and uh, kind of got to the point where you're like steamrolling everything yeah you know you always get to that point mm. and then eventually I won and it was like winning just for the sake of winning so okay. I, like I read in the, the Immortal Empires that they're going to add some stuff to prevent that exact thing that I just oh, played yeah. and it was like oh yeah cool yeah yeah. so you can you have like options for like the, the end game because I guess in the first uh, games you had uh, like oh chaos is coming right that was always you know after a hundred turns or something chaos would come uh, and they would usually not be that big of a deal by then if you were already steamrolling I guess yeah but I saw now they had a list of like several different things that could pop off it could be like a big wall or it could be something with the black pyramid going on or so I think you you, you could choose you know if you want a random one or if you choose which one you want and you can also yeah. say when will this trigger will it be turn 100 or will it be like turn 10 <laughs> it's or, like yeah. uh, it's like sim city like when you yeah. went too well you just like started adding ah. ufos and earthquakes and yeah. shit like that mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's yeah. gonna be very interesting to see i think it's, that was uh, uh, very funny actually when chaos came in my campaign uh-huh uh, because like I had launched a massive army against Norska to yeah. like really fuck him up, <laughs> and uh, like all my shit was there. And then like I was at war, I lost like, a battle actually because they had finally summoned their big armies. Yeah. And then like chaos came, and I was like, fuck! And they're all up in the the north of Nagarad as well. Oh yeah. So I had to like withdraw all my armies and my <laughs> black arcs, and like shit, you send everything back and like to deal lost, with it. Yeah, lost a couple of provinces. But then they like, because I was on the east side and on the west side, there was like Malekith and uh, they basically just steamrolled the west side. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, just destroying all of Malekith's shit. And then I could just like swoop in and reclaim it and reestablish it. So I basically like took over 20 territories or something that (laughs) Chaos had destroyed. And then it was just like many many turns of me just being a city builder and just rebuilding everything so it's pretty fun <laughs> so they yeah they they helped you then more yeah than... <laughs> that that's i'm really excited for that feature in total war 3 being able to buy provinces and sell provinces from people yeah 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 so uh, so annoying uh, it, before so yeah yeah <laughs> It's going to be interesting. Uh, so, uh, from that, what about Wood Elves, eh? Uh, have, you, yes. have you played a lot of games against Wood Elves yourself? Uh, only two, I think, mm-hmm. Sixth Edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Or three, I think, yeah. Yeah, I only played also very few against uh, my friend Oscar, who started uh, but but he never, his army uh, grew too slow. Because he was, uh, he took too much time painting the models to a great standard. But then you never get a big army. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, we had some good games, and I remember, oh, they were so. I, you know, I like that they made their army. They feel different than a lot of armies, I think, because you have all these small things running around, being annoying, shooting at you all the time. But they can be very annoying to play against. I feel like because it's just uh, always out of grasp and just like uh. yeah, especially in sixth edition when like skirmishers are basically. 
40k units. Yeah. And we didn't uh, talk that much, uh, or spoiler, we, we won't talk that much about 8th edition in the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting to hear what they're like in 8th edition as well, because I never play them there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, skirmishers are still great in 8th edition. I'm very mobile that you just move them you can reform as much as you want so they're annoying and i remember i think the lords had some special rule that oh at the start of the game he gets like a free shot at one of your heroes so it's just like <laughs> from from nowhere it comes just a, an arrow like oh what the hell <laughs> hey free wound or something yeah very mm, very annoying and i remember <laughs> also that they had so many scary arrows they could take, right? You just have different types of archers. But then, you know, oh, I added this arrow that just ignores armor saves. Like, what? What? Are you saying my Chaos Warriors get no armor saves against that? Oh. So they, it feels like they had a tool for everything. You know, oh, I'll just switch to this arrow instead. It's like um, Hawkeye. Exactly. <laughs> Explosive things. Um, but uh, I like the aesthetics of the army. They're really fun uh, and look cool. What? Uh, maybe you talk about this later, but uh, what, what? Yeah, would you be interesting interested in getting an army? Oh, what else? Would've. Yeah, where? Uh, how, what? From one to ten, where are they on your keen to get a, this army priority? I mean, if the opportunity would arise, mm-hmm. for sure. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm keen on a wood elf army. Yeah. Um. Well, now, now I have elves, so there's less of a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were definitely an option when I was starting an elf army. Yeah. Um. I would be more inclined to do like more of a an elf elves living in the forest than yeah. uh, like uh, tree terrorist wood elves. Yeah, uh, with a bunch of tree men and fae shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so more more like uh, we want to we mind our own business, and if you come into our woods, we kill you. Yeah. That's so cool. we talk about this in an interview, but like there are wood elves in different places, mm-hmm. and that's also a thing we mentioned that it's weird that like in the eighth edition book because they expanded a lot on the faction but it didn't really talk about what else living outside of as a lauren oh yeah but they did before yeah well they're, they're mentioned yeah and uh, in the role-playing books they talk more about them oh yeah but and is there a thing about like these world routes then that you can move through the world can... routes are an eighth edition thing okay okay that i think are it's, it's pretty it's pretty a bit silly <laughs> yeah it's it it's almost age of sigmar realms <laughs> yeah I so, can buy the under empire and stuff is just cool. Like, ah, oh, you can go through, you know, you can go in tunnels yeah. and travel the world. But uh, would you go inside a route? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, rats tunneling places that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like roots growing all over the world, connected yeah. to each other, and then elves moving through o- them overseas and stuff as well. Or yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, but but uh, yeah. anyway, wood elves do live in other woods than that. Uh, at learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you would you paint them in a this uh, traditional kind of vibrant green scheme also or no i would paint them like blue gray i think it's a really cool oh, okay cool scheme like uh, midnight else oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's interesting uh, yeah i do like the i mean i've seen a lot of autumn colored ones that is kind of cool, and you have the winter wood yeah. elves. I really like the grimdark ones. They're, I can't remember the name, but you know this guy who made this project where he just made the scariest fucking wood elves I ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> With the tree man, the tree man was based of this uh, incarnate of the beast or whatever it's called. Oh yeah, and and everything was just really scary. But I I I, li- I love that look. I think that's an interesting aspect of them. Being, you know, el- they were once elves, but maybe they're not as civilized anymore. You know, they they've become wild in a way. 
And, yeah, uh, definitely not tree huggers. No, exactly. Mm. <laughs> uh, so with that, I guess uh, I hope you guys are interested in learning more about wood elves, and uh, I think we should go into the interview. Let's let's ask ax. Let's ask. <laughs> Let's ask an actual uh, expert how they work and who they are. Yeah, so um, see you in the next segment. Do not lightly rouse the forest lords, for they are slow to anger. But when they finally decide to unleash their wrath, all the wood rages with them. The warhawks grow restive as the shadows stretch longer. Creatures who once prey turn on their predators, and we have to guard against the fiercer beasts who suddenly become bold enough to attack our villages. Woe then to any that creep as uninvited under the grand canopy of the dark green, for never shall they emerge again. Elysius, great god from the old world bestiary. Welcome to this segment of The Overlives, where we will discuss the wood elves in Warhammer Fantasy, and more specifically, the sex edition of Fantasy. The Edition of Kings, the King of Editions, and uh, it will just be me and our guest, Chris Wilson. Hello, uh, my name is Chris, and I've been playing Sixth Ed uh, for about two years again, uh, after a hiatus of about ten years. Um, I fell pretty heavily down the hobby hole and have uh, something like eight fully painted three and a half thousand point armies, and I've just finished a large Chaos Dwarf project. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, Chris, uh, I may you... When I was in, in the UK, I met you at uh, two events, I think? Yeah, uh, two of Joe Bain's events, Monstrous Mayhem and Albion, uh, which were both really good fun. Yes, Albion, actually, I co-hosted with, uh, with Joe. Apologies. Um, <laughs> but Joe did most of the actual uh, taking care of the event. I came up with the idea and uh, the, the rules surrounding it, but he, like Joe, is a an amazing uh, organizer of events. So, uh, yeah, he, he like actually organized the event with where we should be and uh, getting everyone ready, stuff like that. But that was a great event. Like, uh, I'm really proud of that. I think it was a lot of fun. Yeah, 100%. Well, it, it, was, it was my first step back into Sixth Ed. Um, and sort of since then, like, I'm based in Ireland and uh, I now have a group of six players who regularly meet every two or three weeks to play square hammer and it's it's just great it's as good as you remember it you know <laughs> yeah yeah and you're uh, like regularly going over to to the uk to to go to events right so that's yeah. two events that you went to but then you went to the the one in at warmer world as well you were telling me before i've been over for golly i think seven or eight events at this point um oh wow yeah i'm fortunate in that the community is so nice you know you make friends quickly and I can head over and be picked up by one of the guys. I can stay in their house. And yeah, it means it's really cheap and easy to, to go over and visit. Uh, and the duty-free tobacco is just the icing on the cake, really. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I noticed that now as well. Uh, going back to the UK, everything got way cheaper as a tax-free. Big time. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's been great fun. Um, I actually have a Wood Elf Army, which I finished a while back. Um, did up about three and a half thousand points, though I'm yet to actually play with them. Um, so while I may not be an expert in the tabletop, I've certainly spent dozens of hundreds of hours of my life theory crafting uh, the, the army book. It's a really, really interesting book. Um, I think a lot of players talk about how it was almost the first seventh ed book, uh, along with maybe the dwarf army book. Well, was the was it the or was the dwarf one? 
or the would have won the first that came with like a an orange uh fine or like the the edge the orange edge that the, the seventh ed books got later i know like uh, the rest of the sixth edition books got them like they were reprinted with the orange border yeah. but the wood elf one didn't have like a non-border version yeah i think you're right actually um it's funny like my like my uh... I've got all the six that army books built up now, but like it's starting to get to me that they all have different colored spines and like, should I just go with entirely the, the burnt umber ones? Um, so <laughs> am I willing to spend like a hundred plus quid on doing so? Like that's really <laughs> a question. Yeah. Well, maybe you could trade your old ones. If you like, Oh man. Uh, I, I kind of like the, kind of like the, the old ones, to be honest, with different colors. Well, like a lot of mine are the originals I used when I was 12. Um, like my working goblin one is, Held together by sellotape and love, um, but I w- wouldn't change it for the world. So, uh, what did you play in the, in the before times before you got back to fantasy? So, I split a starter set with my friend growing up, uh, Gainer, who was actually at that event as well, yeah. and he gave me the orcs. So, I had a big orc army, and then once I started becoming a sort of more uh, competent modeler, I did a huge vampire against army that was inspired by. If you remember, they had that really cool games day display in the front page of the rulebook uh, of an Empire town getting eaten by zombies. Yeah. Um, so I kitbashed an undead army, uh, which I think you would have seen at uh, at Albion. Yeah, which was I like did. Half, half Empire, half skeletons, and man, oh man, it has not survived the test of time. Uh, two of the most fragile kits they ever produced. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, actually, uh, I remember seeing that army at the event. It was really cool. Yeah, real labor of love. Um, in the process of doing a new one, uh, made up mostly of the old fourth ed metal range. Um, I, I sold a kidney, and I'm, I now have a unit of the twenty five. Um, you know, the grave guard with halberds. Oh yeah, um, gorgeous models. So yeah, looking forward to painting them after my dark elves. Yeah. So yeah, that's another fun thing. We're both sitting here painting dark elves at the moment. <laughs> but uh, now we're going to talk about some other elves. The wood elves. So, uh, yeah, you were saying before that, like, most people think that the wood elves were, like, the first 7th edition army that came out. Because it came out, like, at the very end of 6th edition. And before that, they had the annual list, the 2004 annual. And before that, people had to play with the Revenue Hordes rules. But, uh, yeah, it took a while for them to get a list in 6th edition. But they've, they've always been a part of Warhammer Fantasy. Like, they've been in since, like, the beginning. There have always been widows in the setting, and it's like the widows are a very classic fantasy race of any fantasy setting. I think. Yeah, hundred percent. And I even think the the Games Workshop ones are quite distinctive. Um, like if you look at elves in other settings, quite often they're you know sort of friendly and happy and nice people, whereas these wood elves are <laughs> not, not very welcoming. No. Yeah. It also. Uh, uh depends like where the widows are from in the fantasy setting but i think almost too much attention has been given to to athel lauren because mm. most of the information you find about widows there it's about athel lauren and uh, i know it's like in the eighth edition book when they kind of expanded on all the races a bit more almost all the attention was given to athel lauren and they were talking about like the eight different factions within athel lauren stuff but they mm. totally like neglected the the widows to live in in Nordland and the Empire and some that live in Kislev and, and there's bound to be widows in a lot of places like dispersed all over. There's even some down near Barak Bar in the Warmer Total War game um, and another set down in Araby. Yeah, 
all over. Um, I, in preparing for this, I read the Fourth Edge uh, Army book again, and there. Did you know the Sixth Ed book does not have a map of Athalarinash? Um, fourth Ed, ones, yeah, but the Fourth Ed one, it, go, it really talks about all these distinct areas within Athalarin, which are all quite different. There is one called the Glade of Woe, where the, the Wood Elves supposedly they lure the invaders to be slaughtered, and then mages gather there for meetings at this blasted oak and harvest fungi and mosses and blood red berries that grow there from the uh, you know all the dead bodies that are left around <laughs> to rot and like there's no trees just like moss and lichen and grim looking swamps um and yeah it's very different to the apple Lauren that i have in my head before i read that yeah so uh, yes the speaking of the origin of wood elves i mean the, before tolkien was there were there wood elves really i mean stay uh, sixth edition or warm fantasy has fairies as well to a degree but um yeah where 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 does the inspiration come from other than tolkien's what else you think ah this i'm perhaps under researched for um because <laughs> i think an awful lot of central european uh folklores do have what else in them or certainly sort of fey beings who live secretly in the in the inner woods and protect protect the woods you know yeah so kind of classic fantasy that uh they take something and then turn it to 11 and just throw in a bunch of other influences on it. The thing like Tolkien's Wood Elves, for example, they're just like elves that were separated and live in woods and then they like bonded with trees. But it's, it's pretty vanilla after that. I bet Tolkien fans are going to come after me now. But uh, well, they're they still, were like, quite pretty different from Elrond's elves, though, eh? Like when you turn up at the last homely house. You know, you're 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 treated pretty well by Elrond and his elves. You know, if you're nice to them, they'll you know they'll feed you and they'll they'll clothe you. But uh, the Wood Elves and Mirkwood are jerks, man. Um, you know, like if you remember the Hobbits, they're like you know the Wood Elves are like taunting them when they're lost in the forest. Um, you know, I, could, I couldn't imagine Elrond's guys doing that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. A bit more feral, I guess. Um, so yeah, I think that like the Wood Elves are similar to that in fantasy as well, but they've also had some other influences because um, like they do have a lot of Celtic influence, I think. Yeah, and um, there's there's a big <clears throat> uh, Green Man uh, strand running through it. Like, are you aware of the Green Man mythology? No, it's not the Green Eye, is it? Uh, so the idea is that the Green Man is a guy who wanders around the countryside. He impregnates women. Uh, you know, where, where he throws seeds, you know, crops grow, he, he brings fertility everywhere. Um, but there's almost a darker aspect to it whereby he, he demands blood, blood sacrifice. And if you look at an awful lot of the traditional depictions of the Green Man, it's, it's just Orion. Like Orion, this giant green man who rolls around during the summer when everything's great. And, uh, you know, uh, he, he Orion himself is an elf who sacrificed himself to become an avatar of their god. So, yeah, like I, I definitely see a, a green man tie in there. And also, like the just the the, the body painting, it's a like a clear nod to like the Celts or the the Picts, mm. I guess. I thought the artwork in the Six Head Rulebook for Wood Elves was really, really good. Um, they looked really feral and, as you say, Celtic. Um, they look like sort of uh, woad warriors. Yeah. And um, also the the runes look a bit more Celtic in nature compared to like the, the other elves' runes, right? Oh, that's a good observation, actually. Yeah, I haven't thought of that because the like the elven artwork is it's all very 
it's almost like classical architecture, isn't it? It's very flowy and beautiful round lines. Whereas, yeah, like the the Celtic stuff, it's uh, the wood elf stuff is much more Celtic, like lots of uh, s- sort of circular runes and stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, so where did the wood elves originate from in the Warhammer world? Though? So it all started back after the War of the Beard, when the High Elves decided they were going to leave the old world, and there already some elves had sort of segregated themselves from society and had gone off to live in the woods. But that was when the sort of big influx came. And there's actually a piece of uh, retconned lore from the Fourth Ed book where it has it that an awful lot of the elves who lived along the far western coast of Britonia had horses they were super keen on and they didn't want to leave behind. So they stayed after all the other high elves left. And the dark elves, seeing this, sort of cackled and rubbed their hands together and turned up a load of black arcs. And they 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 fought this sort of brief, well, huge battle against uh, sort of surviving mounted elves versus the dark elves. And after that, they were much reduced. And then there was what was called the Winter of Woe when greenskins descended from the mountains to pick through the ruins of the elven civilization and they had to flee to the forest and the forest was under attack from the orcs and goblins as well and they made a pact with the the tree men and the dryads they would band together against the orcs and repel them and that's essentially what happened well, that's my own understanding of it yeah yeah it's another fascinating thing with the uh, warmer fantasy like you're looking back to editions you can see that like the lore changes sometimes it's not constant and uh you know I don't think people should get too attached or upset when things change about that. It's just like, feels like different interpretations of historical events that no one can really be sure what happened. Mm, definitely. Especially with events like that that happened in, you know, before men existed. Um, I could totally see how history would become very, very jumbled by then. Yeah. But uh, I mean, the elves, the high elves fought against chaos. And then after that was done, basically they settled the old world. And I mean, at that time, Elves must have moved to the different forests around the old world as well. And then some of them stayed when the High Elves left after the War of the Beard, basically. But it's also interesting the the thing with the like the dryads and the the wood spirits, because that seems very like Athen Lauren based. But there definitely are wood elves in other parts of the old world. And uh it's interesting like how their cultures differentiate from each other. Because uh, I think like well personally I think that the like the wood elves that live in forests outside of Athelorn are a bit less um, bestial or feral in nature because the widows that live in Athelorn have kind of become one with the forest spirits. Very much so. So I think uh, also, I should have looked this up before, but uh, I did read in uh, one of the uh, Warhammer role-playing books uh, where you can play as a wood elf, saying that your character is probably from the uh, one of the woods outside of Athelorn because these elves are more likely to interact with other people uh, where the Athelorians would just, uh, they would stay in the forest and protect it and attack whoever comes near it. Yeah, exactly. I think they were speaking very much to, there's a colony of wood elves in the Forest of Shadow up in Nordland, is it? Yeah. Um, and they were saying that's probably probably where elves who'd be adventuring in the Empire would have come from. Yeah, exactly. And uh, also, uh, it's rumored that there are wood elves in, in Kislev as well. And the forests there, uh, which is one of the reasons, or the reason, I guess, why you can take wood elves as your ally when playing Kislev. Oh, really? I haven't thought of that. Yeah. So uh, they live in some of the taiga forests up there. 
they also like be a bit different from the the widows in Nordland. Uh, there are also rules, of course, that like you're not as friendly with them as you would be with the Empire or dwarves or other humans. Yeah, yeah, and like they'd even like this is the the crunchy gamer in me coming out, but like I'd say Kislev allies would be pretty strong in a wood elf army, like having something which is armored and can stick around because it's stubborn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can get to that later on when we discuss the list. <laughs> um, so, can you tell me a bit about the the wood spirits? I have a a slight grasp on them who they are but uh they're like the the they they i think like through through the years they become more and more part of the wood elf list to look at the earlier ones they're not there as much but in sixth edition they're like half of the army yeah i think that was the first edition where you could start taking forest spirit characters <clears throat> but um essentially in the lore they're forest demons um certainly when you get into the later lore and the idea being that, you know, the forests have absorbed so much magic and have so much uh, emotional energy running through it that, like, they're, they are forest demons. And that's certainly how they operate in the rules. Um, but so I suppose the most important part to highlight is that they're they're very much seasonal. So they, they go to sleep in the autumn and sleep through the winter. So whenever Athalorans attack during the winter, they're in serious trouble because it's just elves standing in the way. But they're, they're guardians of the forest, that's sort of explained. And... You have some that get like quite frankly a bit unhinged. Like you have, is it Drika? Druka? Yeah. Um, and there's another branch rate one, isn't there? Or sorry, there's Durthu and Drika, and they're both like utterly mental and unhinged. Yeah. Because they, they fought against her, if I remember correctly, like the elves. Or the, they had to fight the forest spirits at some point. Oh, that's ringing a bell, actually. I have the book here. Ah, yeah, okay. Like super, super not happy with the elves turning up at first. But then beastmen turn up and they're like, well, I guess you're not beastmen. So, <laughs> yeah. And it's also a thing with the, the stones surrounding Athalorum. Like, they're not only there to, uh, to keep the, like, the bad stuff out, but it's also to keep the forest bears in there, I think. Yeah. Um, and they're similar to the, the high elf uh, waystones. Uh, the fourth ed book talked about it in quite a bit of depth, where it speaks to, like, on the very outskirts of Athalorum, you have all this sort of almost scribbland which is quite flat and that's where they the high elf nobles go in their chariot races um but there are huge big waystones there and it's where they typically will like pin up all the corpses of the people they've killed uh to sort of keep keep people away yeah and i think uh i think with their is that also where they bury their dead am i remembering from the the that really cool campaign that matt ward did in the with henrik kemmler maybe kemmler was going around we'll looting tombs and stuff sounds like uh Good place to race dead, though. Have you ever played Vampire Counts against Wood Elves? It's it's it can be painful. They don't want to fight you in a gentlemanly way, you know. They just want to run around and shoot you full of arrows. Sell the ultra nobles to kill your necromancers. <laughs> so they do to most people, though. Well, yeah, that's fair. So uh, yeah, do we have anything else to say about the the nature of Wood Elves? Do we get into uh, how they work on the battlefield? I certainly have a lot more to say about the crunch uh, and how they operate in the battlefield. Um, I, I, I do love the flip of Warhammer as well, but I'm, I'm definitely a, a gamer. Love seeing how it plays out in the tabletop. All right. So um, we thought we would compare the three different army lists that they have in 6th edition. First of all, the Revening Horse ones that they had to use for four years, I guess. And then uh, the annual list that came out I guess in 2004, because it's in the 2004 annual. And then the 
actual army book that came in was it 2005 or 2006 the, the chronicle it was actually in 2003 chronicles as well it was reprinted in 2004 oh. um yeah yeah um i think they even had to make a minor correction as well there was some rule that was that was really janky in it but uh yeah the book came out like the proper army book came out in 2005 so it, was, it would have been out for i think about 18 months before the edition ended and then was used for a lot of seventh ed as well yeah. if, if not all of it all of the seventh ed i think yeah which, like, to be honest, I think in 7th Ed it was actually a pretty decent middle-of-the-road list. Yeah. But um, the Ravening Hordes one, the one thing that really struck me first was there are javelins everywhere. Um, <laughs> all the characters can take javelins for, you know, like, I, I can't really th- think of a scenario where I'd want to take one, but you can, and that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, they also carry on a theme from 4th Ed where their characters can't take great weapons, um, which is a huge killer in the list for me. Um, like they really, the list has trouble dealing with like toughness four armored stuff, like dwarves or chaos warriors or black orcs. And having a character around with a strength six weapon really, really helps with that. And yeah, you don't get that yeah. until the the sixth ed book. Um, I also think the Ravening Hordes list has the most int- like the best rules for dryads. Um, like they're not uh, hyper efficient like they are in the army book, but in the Chronicles book, I found they were very fragile. Um, so yeah, they're they're solid in that. Um, you also have special slot great eagles, which sounds hilarious. Um, you can take you know, eight great eagles and 2,000 points and just make your opponent want to tear his hair out. <laughs> uh, and they also have, as we were discussing earlier, chariots. Um, yeah. Basically just turn off chariots um, that can take sides, which is really cool. Yeah, I really love the, the chariot. That's like the, the main thing with the, the Reverend Horde list. You can still take the chariot. Because they used to have like really cool models for it. If they were released in like third edition, like really old school chariots. Uh, could it take three horses as well? Yeah, you could take extra horses. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, no, you couldn't. Oh. But they also came with spears and longbows. But what I found really strange, well, it could be a misprint. So, like the chariots sit in the rare slot, which obviously isn't great because you've got three men in there who you know you might want to take. But it says for the if you want to put a hero in a chariot, it says if you want to take it from a a chariot selected as a special choice, you may do so. And you're like. Wait, what? Like, is that a copy paste error, or or is there something something weird happening there? But um, yeah. So in the Ravening Hordes book as well, they had pretty solid bows. Like they minus like the, the bows were always armor piercing, which is pretty good. Um, the Chronicles list it was only minus one save at short range, and they, then they didn't have a penalty to shoot uh, at long range. So my elves would always hit you on threes at long range or short range, but they get armor piercing at short uh, in the Chronicles book. Yeah, and in the army book, they're plus one strength at short range, and you don't get penalties for moving. But that's only on Gladeguard, though. This was every bow in the list. Oh, all right. So, that's... yeah, that, that is quite different. Um, but yeah, for me, like, the, the Ravening Hordes list, the, the big issue I have is that the characters just aren't... Uh, the melee characters are really underpowered. Um, because you don't really have a good way to get them a save. The best weapon you can really give them is a sword of might, and then that's just like three strength five attacks and toughness three two wounds, which isn't uh, isn't fantastic. There's actually um, to move on to the Chronicles list. There's a really interesting character build you can do, which I like to call uh, the Rambo build. So you can take a high elf lord, give him a bolt thrower, and scout. Bolt thrower. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or is it just like an actual bolt thrower? It's the bow of Lauren or whatever it's called. Hang on, let me get the, the that part of the book open. Uh, so 
he can take the Hunting Spear, replace his character's longbow, 55 points, cancel a magical close combat weapon with no particular abilities in close combat, can be thrown like a javelin with a range of 18. If it hits, it counts as a bolt thrower with strength 6. After resolving damage, it will fly back to his hands. Note, you may stand and shoot with the spear. Goddamn. He's BS7. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, you give him Scout, give him some Waywatcher buddies to hang out with, and, yeah, I think that could be... Uh, it's more interesting than taking an Archmage and a couple of casters, right? Yeah. So, uh, I think we should just uh, go through the... Uh... The army list and see what kind of units uh, that they have and then we'll just go through like where they've changed position in the different lists so to speak yeah sounds good so um to go through the the army book i guess uh because that's the, the best reference point um so they have basically a, a lord uh a scholar noble highborn even highborn so uh, a standard elf lord he can take a a stag if he's uh like one of the wild riders, where you can take a mount or a dragon. And that's the main thing, right? A dragon. Yeah. Um, and they even have some cool kit to make your dragon a bit harder to hit, or a bit harder to kill. They've got a really nice little magic item, which gives you a 3 plus ward save to you and your mount until you fail one. Um, so if you're a lucky one with that, your your dragon can get to go where it wants to be and do things, which is always a plus. Um, one thing to note as well about all the characters, they all turn, turn up with longbows. So in other lists, you have to pay sometimes quite a lot of points for uh, missile weapons for your characters, but these guys all turn up with one. Classic wood elf shenanigans. Uh, so you also have the uh, level 4 mage. You should always have a level 4 mage in every army list. I mean, not that you should take one, but you should have the option too. They can take a uh, lore of beasts, and then they have their own lore, right? Lore of life as well. Oh. Um, lore of life is great, because you can sort of, you still know tree singing, even if you have lore of life. So you can like shuffle trees at people and then blow them up with master of woods. <laughs> uh, and then you have the uh, the classic hero, the three attack just hero guy, and a level two mage. But then, uh, oh yeah, I forgot the tree man ancient and the lord selection. It's a big angry tree. Yeah, the wood of noble classic hero spell singer level two, and uh, the brain branch wraith, which is the hero. Uh, tree man or dryad uh, yeah who can also be a level one wizard yeah and i suppose without uh, wood elf nobles as well like they have some really really nice options in this book like you can make an altar noble who can sprint around with movement nine give him the helm of the hunt um to give him an extra attack and a great weapon and he can deal out five strength six attacks uh which no one likes to deal with um and he's also doesn't have immune psychology which there's a lot of units in the book that are good at fighting, but because they have immune psychology, you can't really charge bait with them. You know, they can't flee as a charge reaction, which can be frustrating. You know, your dryads and your war dancers. So, moving along to core, you got the glade guard, which are the the bow armed people. They're not skirmishers, which is like a, the big thing about them. But they have those really good bows that are strength four, close range, and they ignore move and shoot penalties. Yep. They have glade riders, which are fast cavalry. They have spear and longbows. They can take full command. Uh, and of course they have elven seats that are move nine. And you have eternal guard, which are the spearmen, which are in the core selection, but you can only take them as core if you have a highborn, which I think is... Yeah, it's a weird limiter. It is very weird. and a bit dumb, to be honest. There and then you have the dryads. Oh, sorry. 
Oh, I was just going to say, like, Eternal Guard are one of the strangest units in the book, I think, in the sh- they're spearmen who don't have spears. So, do you know how the Eternal Guard fighting style works? Yes. So, you can either count as having two hand weapons, right? Or. The front rank else. has two hand weapons and a five up save, but the back rank counts as having spears. So, if you have, like, a head on fight with a unit of high elf spearmen, you're both essentially fighting in three ranks. Yeah, I think it has to do with. Like, they, the models have differed a bit through the editions. Like, the old spearmen just had spears and shields. So I don't know if it was, like, a way to, to allow people to still use them without having it look weird or something. Well, even the new ones, like, they're, they're, they're double-headed spears, like, spear with a blade in each end. You know, there's, they're, they're still spearmen. Um, but they don't have shields. Yeah. They're a funny one. But um, a lot of people don't take them um, because they're, they're quite expensive and... Yes, there's still another yeah. character inside them, but you're a Wood Elf character, so you're squishy and fragile. Yeah, it's very it's very expensive, I think, like 12 points per model. But we'll discuss the, the difference of them. Uh, you have the Dryads in core as well, which I think is uh, a bit mad to have them in core, to be honest. Uh, I think they're, they're really good. They're skirmishers, their strength is up just four, two attacks, and they cause fear. And have a five plus invulnerable and movement five and yeah they're super really really good yeah uh, and then in special you have the war dancers they are uh, skirmishers and they have a bunch of cool war dances like they change every turn right different style yeah you have loads of different options um ones to make you hit harder ones to make you be able to tank more damage and those have changed a lot between the additions. Like back and forth, Ed, they had this mad ability where they could leap over units uh, as one of their dances. Like just jump, leap over your. Uh, like if you start off in the flank or in the front, you could jump over them and fight to the rear in the next round and all this craziness. <laughs> but um, yeah, they're, they're a very, very cool unit. Very like classic Wood Elf units. If you think of Wood Elf, you'll probably think of like the green tight pants, big red mohawk, two blades. Ide- yeah. Ideal Wood Elf man. Probably also one of the most distinctly GW units in the book. I, I can't think of any other setting where they have elves that sh- like basically use capoeira with swords. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, funny like in the in the third edition armless as well. There's uh, or the sea elves, and they also have these war dancers. Uh, then sea elves just kind of became part of both the the high elves and the wood elves and the scrap, I guess. Um, next choice, you have the warhawk riders, and they are flying bowmen. Flying around in Warhawks. 40 points a model. Oof. Yeah, that is a lot. We'll talk more about them, comparing them to the old version. Um, and then we have the Wild Riders of Kurnos, and they are basically the, the heavy cavalry of the list. They're not very heavy, but they're the, like the hard hitters. Cause fear, fear as well, which is pretty damn strong. Um, like a really, really good flanking unit in the book, and lots of good options for magical standards. Yeah, they're also uh, fast cavalry. They're mm. super mobile. Also, one of the only fast coveries in the game that's immune to psychology, so can't flee as a charge reaction, which is a funny one. Yeah, cool. Uh, and then we have the tree kin, which are the, the mid-sized tree boys. They're on 40 mil basis, right? Mm. So they're basically tree ogres, the very hard tree ogres. Strength and toughness 5, which is really, really strong, but movement 5 means they're also quite slow in the list. Yeah, oh, I mean... Compared to what? <laughs> Compared to humans and dwarves, they're pretty fast. Well, I more mean like most big guys of that size are all movement six or dragon ogres. I think are movement seven. Uh, can't think of anyone on a forty mil base who's movement five. But they're strength, also like the um, one of the few uh, things that you could target with flammable weapons or flammable mm. weapons are 
effective. Very much so. Um, and then, oh yeah, they also have a four-up save, as you mentioned. So they're pretty tough. Plus they're as well. Oh yeah, of course. Because they're demons. And then in rare, we have Wave Watchers and three, a three-man. Great so Wave Watchers are like super scouts with killing blow arrows, right? Yeah. And they even like just ignore the scouting rules as well. They can just deploy pretty much anywhere if they're uh, not out of line of sight. Pretty yeah. mad. BS5 rank and file archers with killing blow. Yuck. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the tree man, just a, a giant tree. Well, he's got a sensitive side. He likes to sing. Um, he, he can tree sing. <laughs> yeah. So these are the different units that are Ooh, available to great the eagles widows. As well. I think the PDF you have doesn't have the Great Eagle page. Oh, yeah. It. Sorry. Had to scroll down a bit. It's great eagles, of course. They're one of the <laughs> most important things in a widow's list. Yeah, real pain in the hole. Though uh, it's a list which really does have a lot of pressure at the slots. Um, like you definitely want to turn up with the treeman. Way watchers are very cool, though cost as much as an empire knight. And then great eagles, as you say, are super, really, really strong. So this is the the army book that we read out the different unit choices for. And then of course there are some some more units or less units in the other lists, and uh, some units just changed place. So what other units are in the Ravening Hordes, and what units are not in it? So, both the Ravening Hordes list and the Chronicles list both have Spearmen, obviously, instead of Eternal Guard, and they're just your, your standard your, your standard old Spearmen. Um, they're way they're, cheaper. Well, the one in Ravening Hordes, they're like t- yeah, 10 points a model. So yeah, that's pretty similar to most of the El- Elven Spearmen in the edition. I think they're, <laughs> they're- 10 in the list as well with shields and spears, but they're, they're 12 in this list. Eternal Guard. Yeah, I mean, Stubborn's a really, really strong mechanic. Yeah. Just not, not so much when it relies on a toughness 3-2 wound hero to keep it going, but I guess that's what annoyance of nettlings and things like this are for. Then, so, yeah, um, they, they changed. Uh, what else in the Ravening Horse? Uh, obviously, the Chariots then at the rare slot, uh, which I really feel, feel the lack of. Um, yeah. The Dryads I found really interesting. So they're a special slot instead of core. 31 points yeah. a model. They have the same movement. In fact, all, all the same stats, except they have an extra wound. Then they also have dances, kind of like war dancers, or so they're shapeshifters. So they can either get plus one attack, plus one strength and toughness, or minus one attack for those in base to base. Um, so that's toughness five, two wound Dryads is pretty scary. Um, though you're, you're paying a big premium. Like, I think... I'd rather have fewer, better dryads in the list. I just think that the the ones in the sixth ed book are super duper, really, really, uh, perhaps a bit a bit overly powerful for sixth ed. Yeah, yeah, definitely one of the stronger choices. I think. Then you also have quite different dances for war dancers. Um, the one which I found most interesting was uh, the shadow coil. War dancers do not attack and may not be attacked, and the combat is automatically considered a draw. And then you also have the Storm of Blades, where all war dancers fight a single enemy model in contact with any one of them. The enemy fights back as normal. So it means you can charge into a unit with a wizard, mug the wizard, take your take your knocks, run away, but run away having killed the wizard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, the dances, do you have to change them between each turn, or how does it work? That's, that's been one constant all throughout. Um, like, it's always you can't use the same one in consecutive turns. Yeah. Um, so that's like... Uh... You can't just run in and just have draw combats forever until you can flank with something else. You have yeah. to change it. That'd be nonsense. Then in the Sixth Ed book, um, or sorry, in the Chronicles book, they're quite different again. Like They got a lot cheaper, lost the extra wound, um, and still have shape-shiftings. But again, they're in the special slot. So like for me, I think 
it's a hard one to deal with because your special slot gets really crowded if you want things like warhawks and war dancers and dryads. So like if you're playing 2k, you sort of you have to make some really tough decisions. So I see why they did move them to core, but yeah, it's a hard one to balance. Yeah. But really, I just miss my chariots, man. Um, I think they fill <laughs> such a such an interesting niche in the book. Um, it's something that isn't a tree man, um, you know, to, to do it the heavy hitting. And I've been trying to run recently an elven horde list uh, with my wood elves. Like, that's what I'm going to my next gaming night with. It's like in 2000 points, I have something stupid like 100 elves in it. Um, Come on, Dad. And no forest spirits. Um, yeah, I turn up. I'm gonna. I have loads of clade riders and like forty longbowmen and forty spearmen. And yeah, it's. it's an, I don't think it'd be a very successful list, but uh, it'd be a fun one. Yeah. So other than, uh, I mean, most, it's mostly the, the chariot that's not in there. Um, but some units, like the spearmen, they were like in different unit slots and they worked a bit differently. The same with dryads. Uh, I think another notable difference with like the annual list, I guess, in Ravening Horse as well, is that the the Warhawk riders have a bit of a different role because in the in the annual list at least they can they can take just spears and shields and can take full command, making them more like the the Pegasus knights of Britonia. Yeah, a bit, a bit lighter, a lot cheaper as well. So like in the book they're forty points a model, but in the Chronicles they're only twenty. That they pay seven for the longbows and three for the spears and shields. Yeah, um, and it's an either or scenario as well. They also lose hit and run, which they which they have in the army book. Um, though I, perhaps this is my experience with wood elves. I don't see a lot of scenarios where the hit and run would be very helpful. You know. Yeah. So how, how does that work? Go digging through the book. Is it basically if they say lose a combat, uh, they can run away without being chased? So on the turn they charge, you work a combat as normal. If they lose the combat or it's a draw, they don't take a break test, but automatically fall back. This is treated like flying, except the unit does not cause a panic test in nearby units, and the riders automatically rally the end of the fallback move. The enemy cannot pursue them. If they win the combat before the enemy takes the break test, they may elect to fall back. Yeah. I mean, are, are they any good in close combat? Like, what, when would you charge with them? Basically, uh, charge like artillery crew and stuff. Like. It, 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 you can do stuff like if you. It, Units and knights are really vulnerable to getting flank charged because you can get three glade riders in contact with one knight. Um, you'll get your plus one combat res uh, for being in the flank, though you don't break any rank bonuses because you're flyers. You can dish out, what, uh, four strength, four attacks, and maybe that'll kill a knight. Yeah, um, like for me, Warhawk riders, riders are a bit expensive for what, what you get. Like, I love them. They're gorgeous models, but they're, they're not on my list. Yeah, I, I definitely prefer the, the older ones. I really like the idea of like flying aggressive cavalry. Mm, definitely. But just flying around, like shooting a couple of bows. I don't know. I'd rather just have some skirmishers for that, I think. Yeah, completely. Uh, they can do it a lot cheaper as well. Um, yeah. Through the list. Yeah, gl- Glade Riders actually have changed a good bit as well. So um, they're really good in the Sixth Ed book. So in Ravening Hordes, Glade Riders was, were a special slosh, uh, which stings. They were 19 points in their pants with a spear and light armor. Then they could place the spear or the longbow for five points to go up to 24. And they could have a shield for three. So you're looking at either a 22-point glade rider, glade rider or go up as far as like a 27-point glade rider, which is like more expensive than a questing knight. Um, then in the Chronicles book, they're a good bit cheaper. Like they're 21 points to come with light armor, shield and spear. And I only pay four points for a longbow, which is... 25 points fully kitted out and nice versatile unit 
Um, they're 24 points in the book, but they lose the light armor and can't take shields. So they're a lot more fragile. So yeah, like the more I look at it, the more I think I'm actually going to try and use the Chronicles list. I think it's really interesting. Do my Rambo Lord running around with Scout and a bolt thrower. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really think the, the Chronicle list is, is cool. I don't know like, why, really. It feels... I think if I would do what else, I would do more of a elves living in the woods than like for a spirit infused elves. So I'd probably go for one of the, the lesser realms. Mm. I think there's a lot of wood elf players out there um, who still play like who still play six who would say that they prefer using the chronicles list. That it's the one they used the longest, had the most fun with, and you know uh, I think you get a much more positive reaction from the players you play against because the the six dead book really is very powerful. People, uh, people know about it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a big topic of how good the Wood Elf list is. Funny though, because uh, like whenever there's uh, a tournament, I I look at the the results and try and see like, oh, did Wood Elves win this time? But I can't really see Wood Elves placing that much. I don't know if it's because people don't play them as much, or people haven't honed their gaming again like they did back in the the days where they had years to to perfect the the skirmish dance. Yeah. Well, like there's there's one fellow I see quite often at events, and he's I haven't had the opportunity to play him yet, but I've seen lots of players got get filled absolutely to the brim with arrows against him. Um, like really really good list. But you're right, like there aren't as many of the players around, and it really is a finesse list. Like one of the guys in my in my club, uh, who's only new back to it, like he he's used is what else good bit, but he's yeah, I think they're quite difficult for him to use, like because you have stuff like say wild riders, and you might look at them and go, yep, that's my heavy cab unit, right? And then they get shot by archers and evaporate, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, they're definitely like, uh, once you figure them out, I think uh, people have a really hard time beating you, but uh, doing that is the, the hard part. Oh, actually, one thing I forgot to mention from the Chronicles list as well tree singing has got double the range. Um, so in the army book, it's only D3 plus one inches. In the army book, or in the Chronicles, it's D6 plus one. Um, so you can really punish people with forests. You also have a magic item which lets you plant a new forest. They get their free forest for a pitch battle, and you can plant a new forest. Oh yeah, that acorn of ages, or what it was called. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you I'm going to explain that as well. Plants. Like the the tree singing is, you can move a forest, a piece of forest, and also when you play plant, like uh, pitch battles, the the regular mission, you get like a free forest. Yeah. I wonder, can I give that stupid? Acorn of the Ages to my Rambo Lord. That'd be hilarious. Like, I scout into your deployment zone and toss a forest in the middle of your battle line. Good luck. <laughs> now, now my buddies are going to cast Master of you for a while. <laughs> oh, you can't take both. It's a 55 point item. Yeah. Um, it, you fire like a stone thrower, guess range 24 inches, it scatters, and then plants a new three inch, uh, three inch wood. Yeah, oh. that's pretty funny. So, any more comparisons between the lists before we discuss like how you play Widows? No, I think that's that's pretty much everything I had in terms of the differences. We, we've covered most of them there. Right. So how would you go about playing Widows? What are the different ways, would you say? I suppose with the sixth end book, there's quite a few different options. Like I played against a, a forest spirit list at uh, Joe's event, which was really, really scary looking. You essentially, you can cram like, you know, 40 dryads and two tree men into 2,000 points. And it's very difficult for a conventional army to deal with that. If you're a shooting army, you have difficulty dealing with their chaff. And tree men are toughness six and three plus saves, so really difficult to shift. Uh, they also come with mages. They can stack up the spell scrolls with their ranch rates. And yeah, really difficult list to deal with, with lots of big threats. And then obviously you yes. can do a gun line. Uh, yes, so 
just want to say that, that like that's one of the big things with the sixth edition army book that uh, you can take like a full army of trees that you couldn't do before. Mm. Yeah, it's the first book that had uh, tree characters in it, and even the faction that survived into Age of Sigmar, it's much more tree heavy than elf heavy, isn't it? Yeah. But um, I, I found it strange that uh, of all the like, you can still buy wood elf plastics from GW, but not a single bow armed wood elf. Which seems strange to me. Mm. You know, like wood elves and bows go together like, you know, bread and butter. Uh, I don't get why that's the decision they made. Yeah, because they have the, the riders. So yeah, you can get the riders, you can get the spearmen. Uh, they even have an upgrade that came with Eighth, where it's like spearmen with these big gnarly axes. Mm. And you just Great have to find of... a bunch of those uh, fifth dead plastics, fourth dead, the, yeah. the classic hooded guy that everyone had. And like, <laughs> everyone has millions of. The sixth dead plastic kit was gorgeous. Yeah. Though very, very, very difficult to rank. I Everyone really like the the metal spearmen from uh, yeah, like fourth edition, fifth edition. I picked a lot of those guys up. Um, they're quite quite pricey these days, but um, yeah, they you can they're still out there. You can definitely get them. Um, you can just use them as, as eternal guard, you know. Yeah. All right, you were telling me about the gun line, the dreaded wood elf gun line. Yeah, I mean, this is the one, I guess, which doesn't make you a lot of friends. You know, you have ultra nobles, great weapons running around, kill spellcasters. Uh, you have mages going to disrupt your people coming in with trees. You're going to have a hail of doom arrows there to burst down some units. You're going to have a load of bowmen and then a load of stuff in between the bowmen and your opponent to uh, to screen stuff coming in and slow them down. And yeah, that one is, I think, the one that most most people who want to win gravitate towards i guess so you think that that's uh, a lot stronger than the, like a wood list tree can list or it's a difficult one eh and that so the battle like i played against that bar spirit army which was terrifying and i was looking at it with my empire gun line being like what in the name of crow am i going to do about this and then i read the scenario and it was uh you know the battle of the battle standard scenario where you have break points depending on the number of banners in your army yeah and he didn't have any banners um so i won it um i didn't have a lot of empire left but i won it you know um but uh yeah no like i think it's a strong list but uh it really depends on whether or not you're just playing pitch battle um like take pitch battle and free wood away from wood elves and all of a sudden they they're a lot less scary yeah same with the like holding an objective you mm. can quite easily like walk onto the middle and tell the wood elf player to come at you to once you get to grips with them, they're not very tough. No. Well, like you can get some cool stuff in there. So you have items like the Rhymer's Harp, which for 75 points grants a 5-up ward save to the bear and whatever his unit he's in. So you might see somebody who, you know, you can make a big old bunker of uh, Eternal Guard, put in a BSB, put in a, a guy with the Rhymer's Harp, and yeah, you've got a, a really seriously heavy block which doesn't go anywhere. I actually saw a guy way back in the day, he made... An army which was a Greek phalanx, or sorry, Greek phalanx or Roman legion. But he was playing it as a wood elf list, and his wood elf list was like three units of forty uh, eternal guard and like some archers. And yeah, it looked, I don't know how I'd deal with that. Like you just can't break it. <laughs> but uh, and then of course you can. It's 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 easy to build a balanced list, and I think there are definitely lists in the book that you can build that aren't particularly gamey. Um, and there are some units which aren't considered that good. So like people people don't really think Waywatchers are fantastic. I like them. Gorgeous models. So I, I definitely have a unit in the army. And I think people don't like taking scouts either because they're quite expensive and they lose their Glade Guard longbow. Yeah. So uh, like uh, I think it, the Dryads are definitely really tough. And mm. the Tree Men are 
really hard as well. Uh, but I mean, they they don't have banners and they're skirmishers, so you can definitely beat them uh, with like blocks of good infantry. Mm. And even but, like uh, they have some difficult matchups. Like they have huge trouble with Skaven because they've got loads of ranked up units and loads of shooting. Both are two things Wood Elves don't like. Similarly with dwarves, like. Have you played against what else with your dwarves, actually, Nick? I can't remember. I played them with my Kessler, sure, but I can't remember if I played them with my dwarves. Because I'm just thinking about it from what else perspective, like, you know, what do I do about a unit of 20 Ironbreakers led by a Dwarf Lord? I have to kill that unit, or else it's a draw, because that's like the guts of a thousand points right there. But I'm not exactly sure how I'd go about doing it without having to expend my entire army in the doing, you know? Yeah. Uh, imagine a, an Anvil of Doom would be good against what else as well. Be able oh, to get some, yeah. some shooting against uh, skirmishers. Well, also, is Rune of Air, does that count as fire? There's a Rune of Fire. So yeah, yeah. Fire. I imagine uh, tree men are not particular fans of that or dryads. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think like the, the dryads definitely are like the, the scary thing about that kind of list because they're just such a great core choice because they're so killy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a matter of like attacking units that they can kill fast because if they get stuck in like a a big block then they might not come out on top yeah i mean like they've got a really deep roster of stuff you can take like for me like the really great part of this book is a lot of the magical items and sprites you can take there's loads of different types of characters you can build that are all very different you've got stuff like the annoyance of nettlings which is great which means your character only gets hit in a challenge on sixes and you've got stuff like uh the Dawn Spear, which is great. It uh, counts as a spear in your lord, but if the wielder causes an unsaved wound to an enemy, uh, the entire unit suffers a minus one to hit for that close combat phase. So it's a great way of, you know, you're charging with your wild riders, your character kills a guy, and then your wild riders all of a sudden are, re- you know, they take a, a lot fewer wounds on the way back. Um, yeah. Yeah, like so many cool builds. Um, like a, it's one of those books you can just read and read and reread. Yeah. yeah and given the like, uh, a shooty list or a, a wood list or like archetypes of the 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 army book. I think uh, just making a a balance list is really strong with wolves because the the units are individually really good and like having more tools in your toolbox and all the tools being pretty good is a, a very valid way to go building your army. Yeah, I mean like certainly with stuff like the kindreds, some stuff is strictly better than others. Like the war dancer kindred, or sorry the the Ultra Kindred is just excellent. You know, getting that movement nine and extra attack is really good. But you've also got really cool characterful ones which don't punish you. You know, like the War Dancer Kindred is, it's pretty good. You know, it's not OP, but it's a pretty darn good uh, build you got in there. You've got stuff like you can make a Waywatcher Lord, you can make a Scout Lord, like we can make a Wild Rider Lord. I just love that you can, it really does lend towards making a really good themed army. Yeah. So, uh, so you're you're saying you would make like a, a list with a lot of elves, yeah. So mostly because uh, the, the theme, or is there well, like, like a, a, a menacing idea behind it, would it be really against other things in terms of um, how to play with my local group in this. Um, like one question I see an awful lot on the Facebook page is that you know, like I've been playing Sixth Ed for ages still, but when I get a new player in, they just get whipped for ages. Um, so I, I try and concentrate really hard on making, you know, using units that aren't as good. So like I run a Skaven list, which has loads of Rat Ogres and Storm Vermin and all these units, which are just a bit subpar because, you know, it means like my Skaven army isn't just going to sit in the closet for the next 10 years. Um, <laughs> so similarly with Wood Elves, I wanted to make something which 
you know, was fun for me to use, fun for my opponent to play against. And yeah, that's that's really all the thinking you have to it, you know? All right. So if you would make a really mean world list to take to a tournament, though, what would you say then? Oh, that's a difficult one. So one of my regular opponents back in the day was a pretty hard-nosed tournament player. And the list that he ran was based around, you'd have an Archmage, you'd have a couple of mages supporting her, you'd have an Ultra Noble who'd go around and kill spellcasters, you'd have, I think, exactly, uh, yeah, always two units of Glade Guard, always two units of Dryads, some War Dancers to disrupt, and a Tree Man. That was the bulk of it, I think. And it's as you were saying, it was an army that it picked a big unit and would kill it, and then we'd move on to the next one. And all the magic, and maybe it's in Great Eagles as well, was all about preventing me from responding to that. So, especially when you're playing someone like Vampire Counts, like, if you kill the general, that game's over, you know? So, you want to isolate the general's unit, you can use your tree singing, you can use your, you know, your lesser skirmishers to stop people from interrupting your attack on your general, and then you go in and kill the general. Yeah, sounds rough. It is. Uh, Hard to deal with. Making the opponent not being able to play the game. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, look, t- tournament players are tournament players, and look, that's one of the things I love about the the events that are on now, and that like, if you want to go to one of Alex's tournaments with you know a, a fourteen dice uh, paradise vampire counts list, he'll tell you to get stuffed. No, rewrite that. That's not fun, and <laughs> I think that's a blessed way of running a tournament. You know, I think it's uh, you know, it's no fun for someone to drive half the length of the UK or like myself fly over from Dublin and then just get absolutely pantsed by some guy with you know a five rattling guns game list. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely hard. Like with Willows, you would always have that in the back of your mind because I mean they do have the reputation of being like the the best army list of sex edition. Yeah, up there with Skaven certainly. Though <laughs> most of the Skaven players I tend to encounter at these events are pretty shameless about. <laughs> well, yes, I am running five rattling guns, sir. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just means that you know if you do get a chance of beating them, it's a <laughs> a story to tell your grandchildren. They may not appreciate <laughs> it, but. Mine are gonna hear about it. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not a big fan of uh, Skaven myself. I was uh, like, I think it's cool to play against Skaven with my dwarves because uh, uh, it's a cool thematic crush match. But uh, really, they always sh- like shoot way better than me. And that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Seems incredibly unfair, right? Yeah. Well, like, I think there's definitely Skaven builds you can run which are le- like less powerful. Um, you know, like Rat Ogres are objectively, I would argue, bad. Like, that's the hill I'll die on. Um, you know, they're 50 points, and unlike trolls, they don't have regeneration, or unlike ogres, they don't have armor. They're only toughness four and three wounds, um, and they're they're really, really expensive. So I take lots of them. Um, storm vermin, ah, drop storm vermin into the empire list, and they're great. You know, movement five, weapon skill four, initiative five, heavy armor and shield, cool. But in a Skaven list, that's not Clan Rats with a rattling gun, you know? So, yeah, I, I try and take the lesser units um, and avoid, like, cap the number of war machines I'll have on myself, cap the number of paradise I'll have on myself. And it's still, like, the book is powerful enough that, like, you'll still win games. Like, I went to Resurrection with, um, like, sorry, Alexander Storch's uh, tournament event, Resurrection. I went to that with a Skaven list and finished third that featured, like, all of the, the less good units in the book, you know? Sign yeah. of good generalship. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, being very lucky at not having to play Matt Deary's uh, Nurgle army and get absolutely butchered. That's <laughs> yeah, so, uh, like a thing I'm excited about doing these uh, Dark Elves, because they 
unlike the Wood Elves, have a reputation of being pretty shit. And you can yeah. uh, can build whatever you want, basically. It's all pretty pretty bad, so you don't have to feel bad. Take it. Yeah. Things you consider good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's some really fun builds. Like I, I'm definitely going to pick up a Manticore and a Hydra, run the double terror threat list. Um, yeah. I'm I'm. Someone convinced me on Facebook the other day that Wood Elf, uh, Witch Elves could be decent, and I'm I'm definitely going to try and use them. Um, they were saying like a unit of twelve, just. You don't even take a standard bearer, just like maybe a hag with witch brew at most and use them as a cheap planking unit. Yeah. But uh, it's just hard to pay 13 points for a toughness 3 model with no save, you know? That's most of the list. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's hard yeah. to justify. Uh, it's easy to justify buying will shit, though. I think the only unit I find is like, or maybe two units, the Eternal Guard and the Warlock Rider. So, like, hmm. like the, the Eternal Guard, especially, like, why? Do I pay this many points for like a Woodlock unit that doesn't shoot with a great yeah. boss? Yeah. Like, what, what are they made for? Are you just going to stand there for like three turns baiting the opponent? Like, oh yeah, definitely attack this unit that's not doing anything. Well, like, stubborn with the BSB is stubborn with the BSB, you know? Like that. And you see a lot of people taking, say, a BSB with the Hail of Doom, Doom Arrows because you don't want to give the Hail of Doomfire to one of your uh, casters because they're BS4 instead of BS6. Um, and yeah, like it's, it's a unit that will stick around until your Wild Riders turn up, until your Tree Man turns up. Like, yeah. I certainly hope to use my Eternal Guard. Um, I'm just going to resent paying a special slot for them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's like one of the strangest things, I think, about the, the book list. Like, why they're a special choice unless you have a Highborn and why the dryads are a core choice. I think they they should have that thing, but you have to take like a a lord level tree character to be able to yeah. take the score. Ah, I think that's a much better idea. Yeah, because the eternal guard, it's not exactly like, well, hey, great reward. I can take eternal guard as my core. Whereas dryads, um, that would certainly be like you really would be thinking about whether or not you want to take the tree man to, to free up that slot. Yeah, so I think like especially at lower points, dryads are really rough. People don't have like yeah big infantry units with full command that could withstand an attack from them. Yeah, completely. Um, like you, like uh, I find them really difficult to deal with with your orc army because the orc army just can't deal with skirmishers. Maybe with fanatics. Um, but yeah, they're they're an absolute terror. And even like with vampire counts, like ghouls just don't stand up to that matchup at all at all. Like they get ripped apart. Though I, I do see a lot of players use the tree man as a crutch. Like I reckon a wood elf army without the tree man. Pretty much, no matter what else you take, it's gonna have difficulty dealing with big stuff. You know, like how are you gonna deal with a unit of Iron Breakers or you know, a unit of Chaos Knights? Other than yeah. to kite them, you know, you can kite them and maybe whittle them down a bit. Um, but the Treeman really is the, the heavy hitter in the list, the only one. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of kiting as well, I think that's the, the thing with Wood Elves and why people have problems facing them. It's because they're going into a game expecting it to be a warmer fantasy game. But it's more like a Warhammer Fantasy army playing a 40k army because there's skirmishers everywhere, and you don't really know how to handle them. I think a lot of that's very psychological. <clears throat> like I remember the first time I played what else back in the day, and I just got completely outmaneuvered and didn't know what I was doing. And then it sort of struck me like, oh, hang on, his dryads and his and his war dancers can't flee as a charge reaction, so they're actually a lot less good at kiting than you might perhaps think. Because like of their skirmishing units, you've got like what scouts, waywatchers, dryads, and war dancers. Only half of them can actually flee as a charge reaction, and that's how you kite, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I uh, when I played against the 
what else with my my kiss have i had a pretty good time because uh, like i could actually catch up with them and charge them and if you get the charge in you have all the yeah the bonuses for rank and some kills and a banner and stuff you can be in pretty easily yeah and i guess there are lists as well like you certainly need to have magical defenses because if you have loads of these expensive skirmishers getting zapped down by like you know you're like a if you get like a brain burst or a gaze and a gash off against a unit of dryads or a unit of war dancers, they're they're really going to be in trouble. Like m- most 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 of the things in your army list can't withstand TD six strength four hits more than once. You know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, problem have... is like getting them out of the woods, though. Like I mean, they they have to attack you as well. So it's a problem for them, like how to approach you mm. uh, without like getting killed by shooting and magic and stuff, and then attacking a target that they can actually win against so yeah probably not attacking from the front so um i don't know i mean like the more i look at it the more i'm more I want to try, i'm keen on trying this this chronicles list though eh? um i just think it's, it's it's very similar like it's missing some of the depth like i really do love the magical items from the book though there are some bloody great magic items in the chronicles one like you have the bulk thrower you have the acorn you still have hail of doom um you have Two great arcane items, one which is a power familiar, uh, plus one dispel in paradise. And then you also have the potion of knowledge, which allows you to cast uh, any one of your spells using no dice once per game. Um, so it's a great way of, you know, if your opponent really thinks he's prevented that tree singing and uses his last scroll or his last dice to get rid of it, you can pop out your potion of knowledge and dump a tree on his import unit, you know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, there are some punishing rules, though. So, <clears throat> like, obviously, you get the free tree. Then you also get plus one to deploy, uh, or sorry, plus one to determine who scouts first. But then to counterbalance this, your opponent gets 100 victory points for each of his units with unit strength five or more that ends completely inside the Wood Elf's deployment zone. They get an extra 100 on top of the normal 100 for each table quarter and deployments at Wood Elf's side they get as well. So, you know, if you're talking about like a melee heavy army that wants to end the game in your deployment zone, if it, it'll turn a lot of draws into losses, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. Great against dwarves, but uh, fucks against Empire Knights. Yeah, well, exactly. <clears throat> or Beastmen in particular. I've, I found the Beastmen Wood Elf matchup was really a really interesting one. Because obviously, yeah. the Wood Elves have a lot less to shoot at because of the number of skirmishers you're likely to encounter. Yeah, and the Beastmen can ambush. Yeah. Can turn up wherever. Though, oh, ambush is a hard one to rely on, though. Like, I've, I've, I've seen some tragedies unfold where, like, the guy with the Brayhorn gets killed before the ambushes turn up and then. A third of their army doesn't turn up to the game. That's rough. <laughs> Super rough. Um, Beast Manor, definitely on my painting paint, painting a schedule at some point. Like really, really keen to get a, an army of those guys out. I've been badly knocked around by some Minotaurs, and you know if you can't beat them, join them. Yeah, it's a great matchup against the the Wood Elves as well. Like a thematic one. There's a really good battle report actually from when the Chronicles uh, book came out in White Dwarf where. I think it was Gav Thorpe played some uh, Wood Elf guy who went to a lot of tournaments and got pretty badly, pretty badly smacked around by the Wood Elves. It was a great battle report, though. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, do you have any concrete tips for playing against Wood Elves? Something that that's what people are thinking about because they're a strong army. How do you deal with them? So, as with a lot of armies like this, uh, having adequate medical or medical magical defenses really, really helps. Um, Tree singing is super powerful, and being able to shut it down is good. Uh, don't forget, a lot of their skirmishers can't flee, so if you're able to charge those war dancers or those dryads, and you, if you've got a proper rank bonus, do it. You know, you're probably going to break them. Um, 
they're really vulnerable to any sort of magical magical shooting and um, that's where the forest spirit rule gets uh, gets taken away so yeah like there there are definitely things you can do about it you want to bring more screening troops than you would normally do um and yeah to an extent that's it um that and like try and be mindful of how they're actually going to break your units skirmishers can't take rank bonuses away so really it's just like your your wild riders your glade riders and your tree men uh, and your tree kin who are able to break ranks so yeah secure the flanks shoot their extensive stuff and you can prevail all right so anything else you want to say about the wood elves not a huge amount um i think we've gone into a good bit of depth there but yeah guys try try the try the chronicles list and tell us what you think um i I think there's an awful lot of potential in it yeah i'm looking forward to hearing uh your battles if you're ever using it yeah definitely uh i'll hopefully be able to post up some pics on uh, on facebook there right well thank you very much for coming on and uh, thank you all of our listeners. I hope you like this uh, this little talk about the Woodles. And I'll see you later. Yeah, cheers for having me, Nicholas. Chat to you next time.